king of the swingers, oh, the jungle VIP. I reached the top and had to stop, and that's what's bothering me. I want to be a man, man. So this podcast is a bit of a fixer-upper. Hello and welcome. You're listening to Mouse Madness, a podcast dedicated to bracketing all things Disney. I'm Chris Bowersox. And I'm Kyle Skinner. And we are your hosts for Mouse Madness. Each episode, we'll focus on a single Disney topic, generate a bracket, and debate our way through the madness to figure out who or what is truly the best. Follow us and play along on Twitter at Mouse Madness Pod, or send us an email at mousemadnesspodcast at gmail.com, or support us on Patreon by becoming a member of Jerry's Gang at patreon.com slash mousemadness. Kyle, we're back. Um, the spirit of love is is here. Yeah. Um, it is Valentine's Day sure today. Is. Today, happy Valentine's wow. Day. <laughs> <laughs> Look at the calendar, right? My there. gosh. Wow. Happened so fast. Yeah, and it's very fitting that we're gonna finish our best Disney love story bracket today on Valentine's Day after a great first episode with a lot of great conversations and we left a lot on the table for this one. I'm very excited to hear your talk about Anna and Kristoff. I'm excited to dive in further about some couples like Nala and Simba, even Bambi. Let's dive a little bit further into Bambi. Dive into let's, the young prince. Let's the young prince a little bit. And here to do that with us is returning guest host Nicola. Nicola, welcome back. Thank you. I'm happy to be here. Let's talk Disney. Oh, let's do it. And let's start with you. So we briefly introduced you last episode. Big Disney fan. You were a Disney fan before you were born. And you're currently a magic key holder. So have you always been an annual pass holder to the parks? Has Disneyland always been your park? Tell us about your park fandom. So I've had a pass one time for a year and I had that pass because I knew I was going to go multiple times. However, I have my uncle who works as an engineer in Disneyland and built Indiana Jones, rebuilt the Space Mountain. So I've gone multiple times. He tells me all the secret stories before they happen and my lips are sealed until <laughs> the renovations are done. Um, so. I've seen a lot of like the original Indiana Jones jacket when they're in costume. I've wow. seen the Space Mountain costumes. So like I'm a Disney fan and it took me a realize probably a little bit to realize how big of a fan I am. But Disneyland's my place. I've never been to Disney World, so Ooh. I can't speak on that, but it's on the bucket list to do. Um but Disneyland is where I like to go. That's where I go vacation. And I now am a magic key holder. COVID happened, didn't go for a year. And I was just like, I need to go. This is like my happy place. And so, so far I've been six times with my key. I have awesome. the sold out dream key. I splurged because I, I wanted free parking because I'm not paying $30 for parking. <laughs> hey, don't blame you. So, um, yeah, I am a dream key holder. I will start at Toy Story parking lot. I will walk over to the CVS. I'll grab a Celsius for my midday yep. caffeine pickup because I'm 32 now and I can't <laughs> last like I was when I was 16. And I hop right into the park. And if it's a midweek day, I'll say hi to my uncle. If it's on the weekend, I'm using the Genie Plus and I am going through my rides. I could tell you my order, but Peter Pan is last. It is a 30 minute, 45 minute wait, and I will do it the last ride of the day. I respect it. 
I respect it. We're going to have to get you on to a Patreon episode and really dive into some guess, of the family yeah. dynamics of having an imaginary in the family. Uh, we also got three gauchos on the Zoom here. There's oh, yeah. That's cool. Three gauchos. Did you go while you're at UCSB? Did you make any of the day or weekend trips from Santa Barbara? I actually had the season pass when I was at UC Santa Barbara. That sounds like a dream. That sounds like a dream. Well, I was recently in the parks as if you were a Jerry's gang member. You heard from the trip report as well as the trip preview that didn't come to fruition. Uh, Chris had to sit out the trip, but I made sure to bring something back for him. And it's very much in true mouse madness, pull of the pod-esque fashion. Chris, go ahead. Let's let's see what I got you here. Okay, so um, I did not go to Disneyland, but Kyle went to Disneyland, and he brought me back a mystery collectible pin pack. Each pack contains five randomly selected pins, um, and I don't know. Do they sell like multiple like um, lines of yeah of these? Yep. So, so there's like the this was the Fantasyland football. I got one that was, it's a small world and it, you had a bunch of surprise pins that were the different dolls from a different, mm. like around the world. Uh, you had like cute villains surprise, which I was like, I'm not getting cute villains. Uh, this one just felt like it fit the theme, not only of our podcast, but things that we've talked about in the past, which were like Disney crossover sports jerseys. There are all of the different 16 designs on the back of this thing, but I'm not going to read those, uh, quite yet. I'm going to open and see what's in here first. Okay. Um, but like you said, it is called the Fantasyland Football Mystery Pin Pack. Um, and on the front is like a big Maleficent logo. <laughs> it looks like a sports crest that you might find on a jersey. Uh, so let's go ahead and open this baby up and uh, let's see what's inside. And um, I'm wondering how I'm going to open this. I'm gonna, I, You know what? Teeth are not tools, uh, Mouse Madness listeners, but I'm going to do it anyway. Yep. I'm excited because this has sat in my living room for quite a while. It's sat in your living room for quite a while. And of course, I don't know what's in this pack because it's completely covered, but I hear some jangling. Okay, here we go. So we got five pins. All right, first pin. Oh, let's go. Um, this uh, sports team logo is Buff, B U F F, um, and it is a buffalo. So oh, this looks like it country is. Country Bears? Yep, it is the bear from it is the buffalo from Country Bears that now lives behind the door in uh, Winnie the Pooh. Yep, I was actually hoping to get this one because oh, I good. really like this kind of like angry buffalo looking uh, pin. Very cool. All right, next up. Oh baby, we got the auctioneer. Oh, pirates, baby! This is um a, a super pin. cool pin. That's a uh, great super pin. cool logo. Um, it says auctioneer in this like uh, you know, piratey style writing, and the A on auctioneer is also the hat of the auctioneer. Yes. Um, and there's a big feather coming out of it. Did you see that? You want to look at that? I do want to look cool. at that. Yeah, it's oh yeah, that's very good. That's very good. Let's go. Okay, this is the one I wanted the second most. All right. And I already have a pin of this character in my collection, so I'm happy to add another one. Oh. Um, I don't really understand because this, you know, the auctioneers or the buffs, like that seems like kind of a, a sports team. Yeah. Like 
brand or team name. Um, this just says Brer Fox on it. <laughs> <laughs> um, and it's just Brer Fox looking angry. <laughs> Uh, why is that a fan for a sports team? Yeah, I don't know, but I love that. I mean, you got the Splash Mountain merch is hard to come by, and uh, and we got him. Got it. All right. Uh, pin number four out of five. Uh, all right. The 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 um, I don't know what this is called. Flagship uh sports team, the Maleficent. Oh, we got the Maleficent logo that was on the um, pin pack. All right. Very cool. Love that uh, bright green and purple color combo. A combo you do not see a lot in professional sports. No. Closest thing is maybe the Minnesota Wild. Dallas like, Stars every once in a while. Dallas Stars. Do they have purple in uh, there? Maybe not. Uh, Dallas Mavericks have like a throwback green and purple, I think. Utah Jazz? Yeah, I think so. The Definitely. font kind of looks like the Seattle Kraken. Ooh, yeah, you're right. It does. Cool font. Yeah, a little green, little green crack in there. Sure. All right, last, last pin. Five out of five. <laughs> the smile on his face. The young homie. Straight. I don't know. So this is weird because I mean, obviously they're like. It looks oh. like Stitch from here. Mm-hmm. I get. Okay, so there are two conferences. Oh. There is the Disneyland Dreamers and the Walt Disney World Wonders. Which is a cool, which is actually a really cool idea. Oh. So the buff pin that I got. Disney World. Disney World, as well as the Maleficent and the Br'er Fox. Um, and then this pin, which is the orange bird. What a great mm-hmm. pin. Uh, love that. And this is a cool, like, it's like orange bird, but like he's pissed. And he's like got his wings up like he's uh, attacking. Oh, that's very good. Super cool. Like, this is such a great concept. Yeah, it is. Um, so some of the other pins that we missed out on, uh, Sully, Ursula, Abominable Snowman. I probably would have liked that one. Pele, that's a really cool one. That is a good one. You got a hat box ghost. Nah. Uh, Jingles, <laughs> that's a cool That's a cool pin. There's a Trader Sam one, which let's, let's not do that. <laughs> and then there was a Figment one, which I guess I would have liked to have. This was a, I, this was a solid pull. This is a solid We got Orange Bird. We got Auctioneer. We got Br'er Fox. Yeah, this is great. And back to the topic of like sports jerseys, like Disney sports jerseys. We've talked about this a lot on Discord um, and just like amongst friends. This like Disney sports crossover thing. Like, why can't they get it right? Yeah. You know, like uh, this is kind of a rare example, I think, of when they do get it right from a design perspective. Yeah. Um, you have all of these like fun characters. Like, why can't you make a dope logo out of them? They there was one year that they did the um, March Magic, which was their March Madness uh, mm. bracketing, where they did do very cool logos for a lot of their attractions, and it was. Uh, Walt Disney World versus Disneyland. And so you had like the cannonballers were the pirates team and you had the the yodelers were the the Matterhorn team. Uh, and their logos were so simple, so clean, so nice. They were on plain t-shirts. You can get them as pins. And then like a year later, they were just extravagant <laughs> and just so extra. And it's like there was something that happened in like 2014 where they said every merch item we have to do the most with. And so this is a great example of just simplicity wins. I mean, you can be extravagant and do something really clever like the auctioneer logo where you're making the 
form of the word as the the hat on his head, but you don't need all of the ferophilus like craziness around it. Um, so like looking at these pins, I definitely want to hang on to Orange Bird, Auctioneer, Brayer Fox. Yeah. Maleficent might be a trade candidate um, yeah. down the line. Buff, it is a cool design. Maybe we'll see. Um, but I mean, I'm a big Disney pin collector, so I'm happy to add these to my collection. Perfect. Um, I want I want to do a little plug for yeah. Jerry's gang. Speaking of merch, um, we don't really talk a whole lot about like what kind of content we produce on Patreon over here on the regular show, but just to to give you a little insight, uh, we are just finishing up, or maybe we just posted a uh, a whole episode devoted to Disney merchandise. Yep. Uh, you talk about uh, Disney parks merch, history of it, history of it, uh, break down some of the good, some of the bad, some of the ugly. Uh, get into some of the reasoning, maybe why it's so popular. Um, and so we've got a great uh, merchandise conversation over on Patreon. It's a whole episode, 30 to 40 minutes long. Uh, we produce two episodes like that a month. Yep, It's a fun place to be, $5 a month. Um, head over to patreon.com slash mouse madness. Download the Patreon app and search mouse madness. It's a great time. Awesome. All right, let's get back into uh, Disney love stories. And before we start talking about matchups, let's talk Spoonful of Sugar. Please. Uh, we're, we're in person today. Uh, we just finished up drinking some Dos Orgullitos. <laughs> <laughs> um, and you've got a beer. You brought some beers for us. I did. And I think that you're not going to like this one. Well, I uh, brought a beer from the neighborhood Temescal Brewing Company in Oakland. And it is an IPA, which I know you're not into. And upon tasting it, I think it might hit a little too hoppy, perhaps a little too bitter for you. Um, but it is just kind of their run-of-the-mill IPA. It has a new label on it that is the neighborhood in which the brewery exists in Temescal with a lot of little Easter eggs on it. I really enjoy the label a lot. Um, and I like their IPAs. Uh, Temescal Brewing can't really go wrong, but I have a feeling that, you know, in person, you made the drinks last episode. I brought some drinks for this one. Interested in, in what you think, but uh, it's going to toe the line here. It do toe the line. Yeah. It do. And I, I won't be offended if you don't like it because I, the minute I grabbed out of the fridge and I was like, this is what I have to bring. That's <laughs> I was right. like, this might not be something that he likes. No, it's like uh, drinkable for sure. I mean, okay. there are plenty of IPAs I, I taste that I'm just like, don't like that. Uh, but this one, this is fine. I, I don't really have a super sophisticated like beer palate. So sure. it just tastes like uh, any other IPA to me. All right. Well, I hope you can suffer through it as we uh, talk about something that I hope we don't have to suffer through, which are love stories. Let's go ahead and remind people of the demographic. We sent the interns into the parks to go stalk some happy couples that happen to be riding on doom buggies in the Haunted Mansion or the clams in uh, Ariel's Undersea Adventure in DCA. Uh, they then frightened them as they were getting off the ride and asked them, what are their favorite Disney love stories? They gave us 16. We talked about some that missed the dance last time. And where we ended up after that round of 16 was with an elite eight. And that looks like this. The number 16, Robin Hood and Maid Marian from Robin Hood versus number eight, Ariel and Prince Eric from The Little Mermaid. 
Down the brackets, number four, Rapunzel and Flynn Rider from Tangled versus number five, Anna and Kristoff from Frozen, Frozen 2, all of the above. Across the brackets, the number 15, Bambi and Feline from Bambi versus the number seven, Nala and Simba from The Lion King. And rounding out the Elite Eight, it's the number three, Lady and Tramp from Lady and the Champ versus number 11, Hercules and Megra from Hercules. Uh, Chris, I believe that I started off first last time because we we downed the number one Mickey and Minnie together. I'm going to let you go ahead and take this first matchup in the Elite Eight. Um, last week, I really said my piece on Ariel and Eric. Um, the The idea that Ariel was really quick to give up a, a major part of her personality for another person, I didn't think was a super healthy beginning to a love story. Kyle, sure. you were kind of like... Um, you know, maybe that's that's what you do at the beginning of a relationship. Like you fake a little bit, right? Um, to impress a person, but like this was a permanent decision. <laughs> uh, we talked about how Eric is maybe a little bit um, fickle. Uh, Nicola, you said no big deal. That's realistic, <laughs> to be honest. And I said uh, this, you know, timing is everything in a relationship sometimes, and the timing didn't seem right. Um, and luckily it worked out in the end, but Eric definitely was acting a fool along the way. Robin and Marion um, from Robin Hood. I like, there's a lot I think to like about, about these two. Hmm. <clears throat> imagine a world where, I guess you don't even have to imagine a world. <laughs> I mentioned Tom Holland and Zendaya last episode. So like imagine a world where Tom Holland and Zendaya are like the couple of a nation, but there are literally no other couples. <laughs> And, I, and I, well, the reason I say maybe you don't have to imagine that is because like that's literally how the royal family works, right? <laughs> and still works in a lot of ways. You know the the idea that everyone in the nation looks to this couple for inspiration and for hope. Yep. Um. And the, and they really these days don't bear any type of political responsibilities, and they're just there to make people happy. Um. And and it, a lot of that is in Robin Hood and. Marion, and that Marion is a friend of the children. Oh, yeah. And not only is she a friend of the children, she has a reputation for being a friend of the children. The little orphans um, accidentally shoot a toy arrow into the courtyard of the castle or palace, wherever she's staying, and they're like, we going we going to get in trouble. And the other one's like, no, that's made Marion. She's chill. Right. My mom said she's really chill. <laughs> um, so this is a person that like has some respect amongst um the people oh yeah in a kingdom that is having some issues with uh having like political figureheads that command respect mm-hmm. no one likes prince john no sheriff of nottingham's crooked uh what's the sir hiss yeah i mean who knows what that dude's doing <laughs> he's getting drunk off ale right so like you have these people rallying behind uh people like maid marion who are just kind souls yeah closer to the common folk than maybe some of these other royalites that the kingdom is subject to adhering to and then you've got uh robin hood which is like i mean he is Same. he is the people yes um he is obviously in trouble with the law technically but uh, I think people are really rooting for him and are, are really behind his movement. Yeah. I mean, doesn't Maid Marion have the wanted poster hanging in her room? <laughs> like that's her 
like 90s teen heartthrob so good boy band poster is his wanted poster so good very good and um they get together and they are really um like them getting together is an important moment for this movement of the people like no longer being what these people no longer wanting to take the uh, injustices right that prince john uh, is is thrusting upon them. So like we see that they get together and there's a little like, can you feel the love tonight style number there? And, uh, but then there's a party and everyone's dancing. And I think it's a re it's like a recut from the Aristocats and jungle book yeah. both together. Right. <laughs> um, but like everyone's juice, they're like Marion and Robin hood are together. Like this is the start of something new. And lady cluck, lady cluck gets into action. And she's like, put me in. <laughs> Like we're about to have a revolution up in this forest. <laughs> and that's uh, like, that's powerful. A good relationship is one that captivates others when you tell it. Hey, I got to tell you about how we met. I got to tell you about where we are now and what we're like in like our business and a good relationship. You go, wow, that is really inspiring. I would like a relationship just like that. Or like, I would like my relationship to be that way as well. You talked about their beginnings being a little bit, uh, like they're spelled out, but also sort of murky. Like you never really see them meet. I don't think that it's murky. I think they do a good job of explaining where they met, which is that they somehow either grew up together or they had some sort of connection before they hit some certain point in which they quote unquote, it sounded like they grew up and like made Marion went off into the city and became the socialite as opposed to Robin Hood mm-hmm. who stayed kind of this commoner. But acknowledged that there were these wrongs happening and he was going to right them. I mean, Marion isn't, it's, she's not the type that is like above royalty, right? She's, I, did I just compare them last episode? It's like Will and Elizabeth almost where like Elizabeth is the socialite who then, you know, Will is too afraid to talk to and all that stuff. But Maid Marion is very common in the way that she thinks. She thinks like everybody else. She's not, some sort of noble person. So that connection is able to reform because neither of them have changed, but that reconnection was immediate. Yeah. And it's because of the relationship that they established early on. And they, it, you know, the, the commitment is kind of inferred in the way that like Robin writes their initials into the tree. Yes. And, you know, yes. this, this is forever. This sort of like these trees live forever. Our names will live forever together until we're back together again. And it makes me think that, I brought this up last episode that really they were just like a wall away from each other the entire time. <laughs> like he was just in the forest on the other side of the wall the entire time. But anyways, yeah, I don't think it's murky. Uh, there's just not detail to it, but it's fairly yeah. clear that yeah. they have some established history. Yeah. I mean, I think it's okay for me. Um, there are some little small moments. You mentioned the carving the initials in the tree. Yeah. Robin Hood uh, burning his dinner because burning he's his dinner. <laughs> thinking about his girl. Uh, you, you talked about the 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 really strange tournament that gets hosted uh, Our, yeah, by archery. Prince John, and he goes to that tournament and just like clowns on everyone. Yep. The thing I like about it is that he could have so easily done that out of like a personal desire to like 
make fun of the sheriff of Nottingham. Be mm-hmm. like, I'm going to embarrass this dude. Like, I'm the best. Like, check me out. Yep. But the whole time, you really understood that, like, this is really about Robin Hood. Um, like, getting what he wants and what we know made Marion wants as well. Right. And like also, that's such an important aspect that like, we know that made Marion also loves Robin hood. It also kind of served as like an inside joke because right before he starts the competition, he goes up to made Marion and he like flutters his eyes at her. And she has this realization that like, Oh no, this stork is Robin. And so the entire time he's, you know, competing in this contest, he's not wiping the floor because He's he's toying with the competition as an inside joke with Maid Marian, like, yo, look what I'm about to do. They're going to think they have a chance and they're not going to have a chance because I'm Robin Hood and you know I'm Robin Hood. So there's also that like immediate connection where just because they're in each other's presence, they have this sort of like one mindset. Yeah. And I really appreciate that. No, yeah. Um, which is like a total like realistic love story thing. Like yeah. you ever been at a party with you know, your significant other of many yep. years, it's like something happens and you just look at each other and yeah. like, you know, <laughs> right. you don't even have to say anything. It's like, Oh, that was a reference to a TV show. We like, or mm-hmm. like, Oh, that guy did that thing. That is both of our pet peeves or whatever. Um, <laughs> yep, exactly. Yeah, I, I mean, I think this story, this love story between Robin hood and Maid Marian has, um, aspects of a lot of really good other Disney couples as well you know the the small moments of affection the the kind of like big beginning and middle and end to the story uh like there's certainly some adversity they have to overcome like they're in the middle of like a super difficult political situation they get thrown in jail and like uh, she is a royal and he is not and there's that idea of like an uh, having an outlaw for an in-lock um that that like has to be overcome like who knows what happened at the end of the movie like is Robin Hood out here like in parliament like I don't know. Well, but, at the very end, they show he's been pardoned. Right. Right. And the, his wanted poster now says pardoned over and they get married. But yeah, does he go on to to lead the country, succeed King Richard or something like that? I don't know. I mean, the relationship's certainly not guaranteed. And I think that's kind of the important thing that mm. I'm getting at is that like there are difficult aspects to relationships. And like <laughs> there are certainly some other ones on this bracket that also have difficulties. But I think... Like I said, Maid Marian and Robin Hood present a lot of really good stuff. I think I got them over Eric and Ariel pretty easily. (laughs) Oh, Nicola, I am so sorry, but I'm going to agree with the 16 seed. I think that this love story just feels a little, little stronger to me. I think that it is way less problematic in a lot of its aspects than Eric and Ariel. And I know that there's a lot of transposing you can do with Ariel and Eric's kind of relationship and this, and you know, the sacrifices that you make for your significant other and you're willing to, you know, her, her completely uprooting her life and changing her entire life for this person. I think that would make more sense if it wasn't, a you know if they were established ahead of time like you know they hung out a few times before uprooting their lives and changing who they are instead of taking the gamble um yeah i I, i'm going to respect the arguments nicola because i can see the angle but i think that robin hood and maid marion just make more sense here uh go ahead let us know why we should have moved ariel and eric on 
I'm so heartbroken. Oh, not on Valentine's Day. I know. You guys crushed my heart. I will say this. Ariel gave up her voice. However, she still turned Prince Eric's head by losing her biggest attribute. So, like, think about a female and her, like, quality of, like, let's just say beauty or physical attraction. She doesn't have that, but uses all of the other part of her to turn a man's head. She did that without her biggest attribute, which I know we've talked about Prince Eric being fickle and not deciding, like, understandably so, but she still, like, was able to draw his attention to her with not having her voice. And I, as a female, think that's powerful. Like, for you not to use a certain, like, your best quality to actually find someone, meaning, like, they're loving you for you or trying to understand you Mm. for you, um, is why I would choose Prince Eric. And we can go about Prince Eric being fickle and understanding (laughs) that he just doesn't know what he wants, which most men, sorry, boys, don't know. But I'm very heartbroken on that. And then, of course, like, Prince Eric dives into an ocean with (laughs) Ursula and tries to save her. Like, who doesn't want that romantic gesture? I'm very heartbroken. We're going to disagree on this one. Prince Eric for life. I'm going to go meet him at Disneyland in March. (laughs) Let him know what we said about him and see uh, see if he oh, he'll agrees know. about himself. he'll know. <laughs> yeah, he'll know. <laughs> All right, let's move on to this next matchup. It's the number four, Rapunzel and Flynn Ryder versus the number five, Anna and Kristoff. I feel like underqualified to even speak about this uh, because I know that these two films hold somewhat of a special place in, in your household and in your life, but talked a lot about Rapunzel and Flynn Anna and Kristoff are, you know, they have this very relatable relationship arc in which Anna has this boyfriend who she thinks is like the love of her life or at least thinks that's her future. And it's more out of necessity. Like she's been also locked up for the past 16 years or whatever. And is meeting somebody that she has this instant connection that must be the one because my idea of love is not rooted in real life. It's what I've been told. It's what I've, I think it should be because I haven't been able to experience it. And it's not until she experiences life that she finds out what quote unquote true love is. And that's both with her sister, but then it's also with Kristoff. And Kristoff is the unlikely type, right? The lone wolf, the one that doesn't need anybody that is a bit of a fixer upper that seems a little bit too stoic that may never find love because he doesn't want it, but then ends up warming up in the end and realizing that like he thought he was better off alone, but in reality, he needed Anna to compliment him to bring out his best self. And his best self is when he's around those he loves. That I think that's even more of the main story of or the main point of the Fixer Upper song is like these rock trolls know a ton about him because that love brought everything out. Up until that point, we know that he likes to be alone. We we know that he's he doesn't like attention a ton. He's really just doing this to help out somebody in need. But 
you see that warmth and that love out of his family. And Anna is able to also bring that out in him. And then you see the extreme of it in Frozen 2, right? He gets a little too comfy and becomes sad boy Kristoff. And it, he has to almost course correct himself. I think that's awesome. Yeah. That, like we see, we see the kind of formation of the relationship and them willing to take a chance on each other. Frozen 2 is the honeymoon stage in which like Kristoff, well, it's not really because they he's proposing. So they've been, you know, together for a while, but it's like a representation of it where maybe someone is feeling a different way than the other and they don't know how to approach it because things have been so good and they have to have their first come to realization moment and they navigate it together, but also understanding each other's needs. Anna is actually the independent one. She's actually the one that needs to drive her own story, her own adventure, achieve her own things. And Kristoff, is actually the one that needs the love and the companionship. And they're able to express that through song most often. But, you know, they come together and they realize they need to be there for each other as much as they need to support each other in their own endeavors or whatever. So it's a really complex relationship that is arguably the most realistic of the relationships on this bracket just because of its complexity, which I really like. I really enjoyed that. The, the story is, it's tough that Anna and Kristoff's story exists within Frozen because there are so many stories in Frozen. Yeah. There are like five happening at one time in each movie. And so they're just a, a little baby portion of it. They're thematically important because usually their theme of what they're going through applies to the rest of the film. But for the most part, it's you have to get these in bits and pieces, except for, I guess, the first film where it's a lot of, of them. Um, Rapunzel and Flynn it's the adventure it's the the coming together in, in time of need as far as these kind of traumatic experiences go it's the I didn't think this would happen but here we are it's not this isn't actually what I want what I want is companionship or you know you make me better we couldn't have done this without the other oftentimes that's a, also a theme of these kind of movies falling in love adventure films so I really like that as well uh, I I don't know. I feel like Anna and Kristoff are just kind of a power couple here. I think that they exemplify the realism in relationships. I think that their love story is one that hits a lot of bumps and isn't just ends in, in rosiness. It's one that ends in rosiness. And then the second movie, you realize that it's not just a Disney movie. <laughs> there's There's some realistic things that happen in it as well. So I'm going to go with the 5-4 upset here. Wow. Uh, Nicola, when you hear the word power couple, like, what does that mean to you? Power couple is a strong female who can also support her male counterpart or significant other counterpart and lift them up. And then that person also supports them. I like that. Kyle? Uh... In today's news, Rihanna and ASAP Rocky as <laughs> a power couple. What like what makes them a power couple? I think that they, similar to Nicola, they're two independent minds that are strong on their own, but stronger together. I think that Anna and Kristoff, you said you said they felt like a power couple, and and I agree with that. Yep. Because when you think about Anna, you really think about her relationship with Elsa. 
first and foremost. Right. Because that drives so much of the action in both of the Frozen movies for her. Um, but yeah, I agree. The, the idea that two people are very independently successful from one another, mm-hmm. um, but together they also are somehow even more successful. Yeah. Um, and when you see them together again, like it's an, it's an inspiration to be like, dang. Um, Christoph, you know, like you said, he has an interesting arc. Um, and he's a great example of, of how love can change people. Yes. Both just like in your, in your sentiment, maybe, uh, Christoph being very kind of like close minded, um, and then eventually being kind of willing to, to go and do stuff. Yeah. Uh, willing to rely on other people. Um, but also like philosophically, you know, like Christoph's whole thing is he has these like very set in stone sort of philosophies on like relationships and like love. And like homeboy has never even like had a girlfriend before. All right. Like, why are, you, are better than people. Why are you out here like trying to tell Anna like what she should and shouldn't do with a guy? Right. You know, like show me, show me your relationship, bro. Like, until then, <laughs> like you literally can't tell me what to do. Yeah. I mean, that is like a really common, I think, problem in society is like people speak from, particularly when it comes to relationships. Here's what you should and shouldn't do. Talk to someone who's been married for 50 years and like that's the person I want to talk to. Right. I do love uh, Flynn and Rapunzel. It's like, it's kind of back to that Mickey Mouse thing. Like Kristoff and Anna's relationship has legs and it's one that like you could see just going off into forever um, because you know that they will always have stuff to do together. Yeah. Their personalities gel so well, mm-hmm. which like that is a really beautiful part of a, of a good love story is like, wow, that person and that person, I might not put them together, but like now that I see them together, it really makes sense. Yep. Uh, this guy who is a little bit too grounded and this gal who has her head in the clouds, like power couple. Um, Sounds like an exact description of, Flynn and Rapunzel. Also, same like it's this, they, these, <laughs> almost quite literally with well, Rapunzel yeah, and no, her head and like the that's cup. the thing I hate about this matchup is yeah. they are very similar. Yeah. Um, and while I wouldn't put the power couple label, I think on Rapunzel and Flynn, just because like I don't think Rapunzel's uh drive is quite as strong, and like her goals aren't as like big, I guess. Um. But like, that's not her fault. She was literally locked in a tower, so she doesn't know what the world is. <laughs> um, but they both, like we said last week, like they have their own goals in the movie and yep. they fall in love by simply being together. Yes. Um, and like, that is another element of love. Like, uh, just love is time and love is shared experiences. And, and you put people together for long enough whether it's a friendship or a romance, like something's going to develop because you'll, you'll bond over things. Yep. Um, love that about uh, Punzi and Eugene. <laughs> uh, I mean, Eugene's a lot like Kristoff in the snuggly duckling. I have a dream on an Island that I own tanned and rested all alone, surrounded by enormous piles of money. Yep. You know, like that's his whole goal in life. And then it switches. So I see the light. Uh, Rapunzel is very sheltered in the movie at first. Um, and she learns a lot from her relationship with, uh, with Yuji. 
Yeah. She's better because she met him. Yep. And he's better because she met her. She stands up to, to Mother Gothel. He's like, um, you know, you got to go after, you got to go after stuff. Can't be afraid to leave the castle. Right. Um, and she's like, you know what, Mother? I'm done. I think I'm out. I'm out of you. Mom, I think I'm out. He also performs an ultimate sacrifice and technically kills himself. Yeah. Oh, he thinks he keeps killing himself. <laughs> Side note. How does Eugene not know that Rapunzel is the princess? The girl is like, um, every year on my birthday, these lanterns go off in this oh, castle. Yeah. <laughs> I want to go see them. I have blonde hair that's really long, green eyes. I've been locked in this tower for the last like, you know, 20 years or so. Yeah. Um, also, this uh, castle um, town that you always go to has pictures of um, me everywhere as a baby, blonde hair, green eyes. Yeah. Um, oh, this person like is super not adjusted to um, society and this person that she lives with is really sketchy. I think that it's he's, a coincidence. Yeah. I think that he's just too self-centered to pay attention or notice. I think like his mind's on the money is money's on the mind. That's all he does. And so he's not paying attention to like, you know, the lanterns are for some kidnapped princess's birthday, but like he's not invested in it. He doesn't care what she looks like, who she is. He's like, I've got to go steal stuff and I, I'm trying to make a fortune out here. So I can see how he doesn't know. Um, but I think that any of us would hope that we're self-aware enough to be like, wait a minute, there are some dots to connect here and you're acting a little suspicious also why haven't you been outside another like somehow even more unrealistic than this idea that eugene doesn't recognize her homegirl's barefoot the entire movie whole time um calluses she's been inside this whole time she does not have (laughs) calluses no she's getting sticks inside of her foot right the entire time blisties Blood. Infection. Homegirl went into a bar. Yeah. With no shoes on. E. coli. Could have kicked her out. Tetanus. <laughs> Hepatitis C. Round of applause. Are you a, a pro no shoes in a bar type of person? I'm just pro female being whoever she wants to be in a bar. Hell yeah. We can appreciate that. Yeah. I, I like that. I'm I'm concerned about the the sanitariness, I guess, <laughs> of of the choice is is all. from a girl who has been on in a bar with no shoes. It's fine. Okay, <laughs> I'm just I can't you believe know, I'm admitting that right now on this podcast. There's <laughs> about there's about a I'm quarter. I'm not the in. only one that has done You're that. You're not I the only you. one, and there's been worse things than being barless or barless. Yeah, Shoe-less we all went to bar. UC Santa Barbara, so, so we all okay. know. Okay, okay, okay. It's Thursday night. Maybe it's Sunday <laughs> night. I don't know. You're at Wildcat Lounge. Yep. You go to the bathroom. There's never not at least a quarter inch of water in the bathroom. <laughs> <laughs> I would not want to be in that bathroom with no shoes on. That's all I'm trying to say. That's fine. That's fine. In addition, homegirl is way too comfortable with the other villagers. She does not know other people. No. Justin just doesn't know social interaction, though. Right, so maybe she, I don't know. She's fairly outgoing. She's made best friends with the chameleon. 
I mean, these are not like bad things about Rapunzel as a human. It's just you would expect someone who's never seen the world before mm. to act in somewhat of a different way. Yeah. Um, she approaches the world with such a confidence mm-hmm. that that you would hope she would approach her relationship with Mother Gothel. Well, I mean, think about... well. Uh, because think, like that's her arc is that like she wasn't... Yeah. She was scared before, but now she's not scared anymore. It's like she kind of seemed like she wasn't that scared. Yeah. Of things she didn't know, I, I, I don't know. Uh, anyways, it's Rapunzel and Flynn Rider for me, man. <laughs> like, I really hate to, uh, to to send the Frozen couple home here, but I really like this um, kind of like neat self-contained story where there's a clear beginning. Um, there's wow. a, a meat cute of sorts where, you know, he gets hit in the face with a frying pan. Uh you know, they will they or won't they, they get married at the end. You know, like it's just a nice little self-contained, uh, nothing bleeds over into other movies, at least um, nothing that like you need to know. I'm sure the Tangled series is great. Um, but it's also got, it's also got, I saw the light. I see the light. Yeah, very you know, good song. Like it's a good song. Very uh, good song. You know, Rapunzel. Probably my hall pass. Not going to lie. Okay. You know, love Rapunzel. She's at my Thanksgiving table. Why not? (laughs) (laughs) Um, This is a tie break. Nicola. I, uh, this one's a hard one for me, for sure. Um, I think we've brought this up before. We've talked about friendship and I believe both of these start as a friendship. Like Anna has another love interest or she believes she has another love interest. Um, and Rapunzel doesn't know any better. Ooh, this one's really hard. I was hoping that this wasn't going to happen. Honestly, <laughs> they always <laughs> do. Um, let's go to like the, the men. Let's talk about like Flynn. He's a little mm. dishonest in the beginning, you know, but we talked about, um, like love as a power couple and supporting each other regardless like your significant other always supports you and as though although he's kind of mischievous and not truthful the whole time he's still supporting her in her dream um but you can also say the same for Kristoff you know like they they were friends then he's just like this is the only girl I've ever known like (laughs) hello his friends were rocks and a reindeer so this this one's so hard (laughs) But I'm going to say because there's a Frozen 2 and there's a continuation of Anna and Kristoff's story and how it develops past their friendship, I'm going to move Anna and Kristoff over into the next round. I like it. That's huge. All right. I like it. I mean, I'm not mad about it. I like both of these couples a lot. Um, <laughs> it makes me think that we need to watch the Tangled series. <laughs> you know, it's, if it's got Shorty in it, yeah, you, that's true. you have my money. That's true. All right, let's hop over to the other side. We've got number 15, Bambi and Pauline versus number seven, Nala and Simba. We're, st- we're still out here in the animal kingdom. Yes, we are. I think we broke down Nala and Simba pretty well last week. Young Prince time. Yep. Uh, so let's talk about Bambi and Pauline. There, <laughs> like Bambi, just Bambi the movie, yeah, never doesn't amaze me every time I turn it on. 
Well, you know, like you can look at it from a different perspective every time you flip it on there and it's like this this is the best. Yeah. I can see this one going to the end. It's real nice. Best Disney baby. <laughs> baby. Right? <laughs> yeah. Best Disney dynamic duo. Thumper? Bambi? <laughs> Finals. Let's go. Send them. Best uh, underrated Disney song? A little labor showers? Oh, my God. Of course. Bridge test. Pass. Boom. <laughs> Finals. Winner. All right. So we got Bambi and Falling. So I'm, I'm rewatching Bambi, of course. Like, let's check out. Let's check out the relationship between these two. All right. Start off babies. All right. Cute. Precious. So cute. Eyelashes. Fluttering. Mm. Blue eyes. Brown eyes. Flirting. I want to pet him. <laughs> so cute. Um, this is like this is like Robin Hood and and Marion. You yeah. know, like they they start off as little kids. They have a connection. They don't really know what it is yet. I don't I don't know that they can even comprehend those feelings at mm. the time. But but you know they're there. Yep. I like you. You like me. All Bambi has to do is like look at Faline and she's just laughing. Right. Um. And yeah, I think that's what Bambi likes about Faline. She's got a great sense of humor. <laughs> And Bambi really, you know, embraces his responsibilities. <laughs> Fast forward. Uh, yeah, we have to because the movie does. Fast forward. <laughs> We're teenagers now. Yeah. Bambi's mom. Dead. You know what? Forget about her. <laughs> She's old news. <laughs> There's a new woman she in got Bambi's eated, life. She got eaten by the insects already from Bugs Life. <laughs> and <laughs> Flowers are blooming. We're teenagers now. We're feeling things we never felt before. We're just, all we're doing is walking through the forest. Owl. <laughs> Bambi's like, what's going on with all these forest creatures? Owl's like, they're Twitter painted. They're like, homie, oh what? God. And he's like, they're Twitter painted. Use that in a sentence, please. <laughs> I was walking through the forest and I got Twitter painted. <laughs> okay. Walking. Okay. Let's keep walking. Thumper. I'm going to oh. go talk to that girl. He gone. Yep. Skunky. Can't remember his name. Flower. I'm going to go talk to that. Flower. Flower's like, I see, I see a little honey over there. Mm-hmm. Cool. He gone. Bambi's by himself. What's left for Bambi to do? Who should, who should appear? Mm. Homegirl. Of course. Falling. Comes up. What does she do? Fly to his eyes. Licks him in the face. <laughs> Which immediately sends Bambi into clouds right he, the, the man is flying all it takes is one touch which of is the, a real i mean that is like i don't know how do i say this in a way that is like family friendly i uh i lived i lived by myself for <laughs> <laughs> a couple of years in kansas city uh, yeah um and i am not someone who is like a um Physical touch is not my love language. Yeah, I hate not it. A, not a cuddler. No, I hate it. Um, but <laughs> love languages. We I can't talk about those. Yeah, I we haven't talked about it. So I came back to visit summer camp. I think you were probably there. Probably. You know, old friends hugging me. Good to see you again. I yep. was like, uh oh. That feels really good. Like when you go without uh, like physical connection for a really long period of time. Right. Okay. Yep. It can be like very, very uh, refreshing. Yes. To be touched. In any way. All right. Let's okay. Keep, let's barrel past this. Okay. Let's keep going. Let's keep going. So Bambi's reaction to that. Yes. It's been a minute. Yeah. I, I think it's forever. Great. I think right? It's great. You know, um, then 
who should appear? Another dude. Time to battle. Time to throw down. <laughs> Bambi's throwing hands at this guy. Yeah. He's like, Falling's mine. He's like, no, no, no. Falling's mine. Which, Love Triangle, doesn't happen a lot in a Disney movie. No. Eh, Frozen, yeah, probably. But um, this idea that Bambi has to fight for Falling, mm-hmm. let's pretend that it's a metaphor. You know, like it doesn't have to be another person always, but like there are often obstructions at the beginning of a relationship. How do we get around this obstacle? Yeah. In order for us to get off the ground. To punch it in the face. Yeah, you punch that obstacle in the face. Mm-hmm. Then what happens? To get a love song, of course. <laughs> Can you feel the love tonight? 3.0. Uh, Bambi yep. remix. Yep. Okay. It's fine. It's very like generic. It's it's like uh, the, the love song in Bambi is like the Christmas song at the beginning of Lady in the Tree. <laughs> Something it's, that sounds like a love song, but you can't put your finger on. The lyrics were written by a bot. <laughs> Then what happens? Fire in the forest. Uh, oh my gosh. Traumatic experience. Traumatic experience. Falling's fine. But where's where's Daddy Bambi? Uh-oh. Where is he? Dude flies down a waterfall, <laughs> swims out the water, and Falling's like, thank God. Uh, yep. This is a very real like experience when you're in love with someone, especially new love. I gotta tell you, you know, I'll be honest. The first time that person doesn't text you back after a while, <laughs> the anxiety that does it, did this person drop me unexpectedly? A B is this person dead? dead? Yeah. Let me Google. Let me, let me Google Harlem crime real quick just to make sure that there wasn't some tragedy that happened. Let me search car crash on Twitter updated to the most recent tweets. Make sure they're still alive. It's happened to me before. So this is what's going through Falling's head when she sees this fire and Bambi's not there. Yep. Then what happens? Little baby babies. Actually, before that, then they go, don't they go into the thicket and they, you know. And they make the babies. They make baby Bambies, right? <laughs> then. <laughs> the movie ends. <laughs> King Bambi walks up to that rock looking out on his kingdom. And the love song comes back in. Lyrics. Love is a song that never ends. One simple theme repeating like the voice of a heavenly choir. Love's sweet music flows on. The end. Spin. Bambi is a love story. Yeah. All right. And, and here is the, the, like, the, 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 the thing that makes this love story <laughs> maybe my favorite on this bracket. Oh. <laughs> the idea that the experience of love in any way, could be with another person, could be with a thing, uh, you know, abstract idea, hobby, whatever. Sure. The experience of love is the most important part of the human experience. Yeah. It's, it's natural. Yeah. And I think that's what this movie is trying to say. That time goes on, things change. Yeah. The constant. You know what it is? Circle of life, baby. All right. Bambi is circle of life 1.0. I got Bambi. I got the young prince, right? <laughs> I got the young prince. I like the way that they do it in a, in a simpler, more subtle way in Bambi. A little bit more artistic, a little bit softer. I think Bambi's cuter than Simba. Daddy Simba. Damn. Teen Simba's hot. 
Daddy Bambi. Zaddy Bambi. Oh, gosh. I, I mean, I got Bambi. You got That's it. it. That's it. Okay, I'm done. Okay, that was it. That's all okay. I got. Yeah, yeah, Okay. I, I'm going uh, Nala and Simba. I think that there, I, lo- I love your breakdown of that love story that made me want to end this call, end this recording and go watch Bambi like right now. But I'm going to go with Nala and Simba because I think that their trajectory is very natural. I think that them being like best friends, uh, knowing that they kind of needed each other to survive, to get through things, they go on adventures together it kind of you know mirrors what they're going to do in their adult life together they escape the hyenas together they defeat the hyenas together it's just kind of full circle moment for them it's important because they have a we get to see them establish their relationship early on and it's one that's rooted in friendship and i think that's really important i think friendships are often rooted in not only experiences, not only commonalities, but understanding. And they understand each other. They understand the world around them and in, in which they exist. And when they reconnect, can you feel the love tonight kind of brings that all together? Like their their worlds had been in such turmoil since them splitting. And then in this moment that they're back together, they're having this you know, euphoria of a of an experience together in which, you know, the the peace that the evening brings. The world for once is in perfect harmony. Everything is right. This is what is meant to be because we know together not only are we better, but we can make the world around us better. And I think that couples see that as well. Yeah. And it's what you brought up. Like friends are like, oh, that couple makes sense. That couple is either a power couple or they make everyone around them better. They're meant to be together. That's a very Nala and Simba thing in which they quite literally make the world better because they save their pride (laughs) and they save the world around them from devastation. And while that may not be a normal experience for everyone, I think it's the extreme metaphor that without each other, the world is a sadder place. And together, not only do they make each other better, but they make the world a better place. And I like that story a lot more than what felt almost like an arranged marriage out of Bambi and uh, Valine, where the families were like, Bambi, your dad's the king. As that, you are going to kind of rule the forest. Because of that, you're going to need someone to procreate with, and it's going to be her. And that would have been facilitated by the family. But guess what? Uh, Bambi mom got shotted, and now she deaded, and she can't facilitate that. So now they're going to meet just by pairing up as the nature of the world gives to you in spring. And that's that. I like the, uh, the Nala and Simba pair here, which means that we're going to Nicola. For the tie break. I'm going to have to go with Kyle on this one. God. Like, you already <laughs> made so many valid points about Simba and Nala to sway me over. But now that I've also, like, thought about it, like, even in the movie, Rafiki is like, it's like this is his destiny to rule mm. this tribe. And they've been 
we've talked about this friendship to begin with. And then you think about their relationship. It's like a classic storyline in so many different TV shows today and movies that it's something that is just a stronger love story. Not that Bambi and Falling doesn't have a strong love story or it's not a love story of a movie, which like it is, but this one for sure is stronger and Battle at Pride Rock has won by Simba and Nala. I'm sad. Real sad. Is uh, Love is a song from Bambi sung by the same dude that did the fake Christmas carol at the beginning of Lady the Tramp? Maybe. Maybe. (sighs) If I had more time and patience, I would look that up. But maybe while you speak, I'll look it up. All right, let's move on to this next and final Elite Eight matchup. Speaking of, it's the number three Lady and Tramp versus the number 11 Hercules and Meg. Told the story of Lady and Tramp. Don't need to dive back into that. Listen to part one. Let's talk about Herc and Meg. This was a damsel in distress situation that Dum Dum Herc kind of still believed was the thing. And Meg the entire time was a pawn in the game of Hades, right? And she... Right. And she wasn't necessarily interested in him. She was interested in basically freeing herself from Hades by being a pawn in his game. But as they continued to cross paths, as, you know, Herc continued to, I don't, I don't think it's necessarily like show up as the hero, but like genuinely care about Meg the entire time that she starts having her head turned a little bit. And that's her entire internal debate uh, where, uh, what is it? I don't think I'm in love uh, when she's walking through the garden, she's talking about that where she's like, I shouldn't love this guy, but like there's something about him and, and he's very caring, but you know, I don't, I don't want to say that I'm in love. I, I can't because I've never felt like I needed that. She's kind of the, she's trying to, you know, I think Disney at that time, what 98 was 97 was ter- trying to turn that damsel in distress yeah, yeah. thing on its head by having this, uh, female character with initiative that isn't just being won by the hero man. And I like that. And I think that she does that very well and she serves that. And it's not that he's a hero. It's that it's his caring and his self-sacrifice for her time and time again and putting her first that is winning her over. Uh, Some of the times he's doing it also while saving the world, but that's because he's those are the scenarios that she's being put in. And then, of course, he sacrifices like his power to save her at the very end. Um, and then there's the redemption. And she somehow also becomes a god. Like she gets up into Olympus and they just are like, yo, mortal, what's up? Like, welcome to the gates. <laughs> I don't really know how that works out. Um, yeah. Hey, this is Megara. She's from Earth. I don't know. Everybody say hello. <laughs> this is Zeus. This is all the women that Zeus slept with in his time as <laughs> as the Greek god. You could be next. You could be next. Yeah. Zeus knows no bounds and he will cross every line. So it's, uh, yeah, I, I feel like, I don't know. It doesn't feel much deeper than that unless you can remember or recall some moments that maybe add some deepness to their and that story. It's yeah. another one where there's a lot going on. Right. I think I think if we were 
breaking them down individually, I see I see Meg as having a much more compelling love story or relationship with love because she is coming from a place of trauma. She lost a love. Yep. Um, and that is a really unique thing. Hmm. Yeah. In in like the world of Disney, when you're talking about people falling in love, like the idea that you lost a great love is not really explored very much of it, but it's a very common experience for people oh, that yeah, like totally. having to overcome a heartbreak and like be being willing to risk it again. Yeah. Uh, and I think that's great, but it's just like, her, like I'm not seeing that same commitment from Hercules. Maybe like, mm. yes, like you, like you said, he gives up his powers. A lot of the things he does seem to be kind of an external sort of sacrifice. I think that we see his arc though, where he does give into the fame, but then he has that moment of realization that the fame doesn't matter. What matters is his love for mm-hmm. Megra, which is why he kind of gives up the power for her because his power is his fame, right? Without that, he doesn't have the sneakers. He doesn't have the 7-Eleven Slurpee. He doesn't have any of that stuff without his power. And he's willing to give that up to save Megra and not only her life, but her well-being. And I think that's and that's an important realization for him. Uh, Lady in the Tramp, like I said, rushed. You get a, a quick love story out of that one. I, I don't know that we see a ton out of it other than them going on a, a day, half day's adventure and then having puppies at the end. I don't feel like there's much of an emotional tie-in to them. It's kind of a straightforward love story. And I kind of like the realism of the Meg kind of fighting with herself and trying to figure out, is this something that I want to get into it? Do I truly love him? Is he someone that is trustworthy? Is he someone that isn't just going to play me like maybe some of the other brutish guys in this Greek world that I exist in? And that's much better than like, you know, yes, I I do because he is man and he is strong man and I am woman and I need to marry him. Like she's having some agency and that's really yes. great. And I think that's really important for a story Lady and the Champ is a great love story, arguably the most iconic love story. We bring that up all the time with how they're probably the icon of the Disney company. But I think that realistically, Hercules and Meg's trajectory and story just fill up more of that love story cup than Lady and Tramp do. I'm going to, I'm going to cheat a little bit. I'm going to, I'm going to bring it. I'm going to do Uh-oh. that. Th- I'm going to do that thing where I bring it back to the the title of the bracket. Thank you know, you. Best Disney love story. What is, what makes a good Disney love story? Okay. So what do we look for in a Disney love story? And yep. I think we've done a really great job so far, kind of breaking down the like realism of, of some of these depictions of love and depiction of people in love. And yep. um, I think we're at the point where all of them have done a really good job. And I agree with you that the, the relationship between Lady and Tramp is a bit simpler, but I don't know that it needs to be anything more than that when we're talking about Disney love stories. Um, these are two dogs. Like that's (laughs) two talking dogs love each other. You sure? That's Walt Disney animation right there. Okay. You know, like it does. I think Disney has done a great job getting real complex and real deep with these depictions of these characters, but this is the bread and butter right here. Lady and the Tramp. Like there are realistic elements to it as well. You know, like you have two uh, people who come from different backgrounds um, and two people coming together to learn new things about one another. Uh, Tramp learns, you know, Life locked up isn't all that bad. 
as yeah. he would as he would think. Right. And and you know, Lady learns there's life on the outside. You know, and and, and Tramp as a as a person is kind of proves that, you know, anyone is lovable. Like anyone is worthy of love, no matter how in the quote unquote doghouse they are. Uh, you know, you can find love anywhere. And, you know, Lady kind of learns that, you know, you gotta get outside of your comfort zone sometimes to to find those things you're looking for. And you know, sharing spaghetti, that really is <laughs> like, that is the metaphor of, uh, you know, being able to, to give to one another and just sharing a beautiful night. Like it's love is real simple. And in all the ways that it is complex, it is also simple. Hmm. Um, at the heart of it is just a, a connection and enjoying one another's company. I got lady in the tramp. Ooh. I think simplicity is, is, is the key here. Ooh. So Nicholas bringing another type. You're getting your workout in here. Ooh. I am. So you brought up a good point talking about Disney, like Disney love story. So we have talked about our personal opinions and what like a power couple is, our personal opinions on love, our personal experiences. So that really like kind of set me back and reset because like the bracket is the Disney love stories. Now, who puts the glad and gladiator is Hercules. <laughs> However, I'm throwing you a curveball, Chris, and I need to agree with you and Lady and the Tramp is the Disney love story. You talk about, like, it has the perfect element of, like, traditional or now, like, I would say, like, breaking boundaries. You have two different type of people, like, one from Lady is being from, like, a rich class. You have Tramp, who's in the lower class. You know, you're trying... Yeah. Then when you think of like Lady and the Tramp, you iconically go to the spaghetti and the meatball love scene. And I can kid you not how many times I share my French fries with my significant other. So I like that is a love story more complex than I want to say Hercules and Meg. And I'm going to go with that. I love Herc. I could probably sing every song to that musical. Um, and I believe Meg eventually finds that she's a strong woman and I'm all about that, but I'm going to agree with Chris on this one. Lady and the Tramp is iconic Disney love. Disney love. Yeah. Let's go. Wow. Disney angle. All right. Um, all right. So we've got, we've got uh, three animal couples left. <laughs> I mean, not surprised We've to be got honest. One human couple left. Uh, so, so who's who's heading to the finals from the left side of the bracket here? We've got number sixteen. We got the number sixteen seed still alive. Love it. Robin Hood and Maid Marian, and number five, Anna and Kristoff. So tough. We talked about hotness a couple times. <laughs> yeah, here we go. It's about time. Robin Hood and Maid Marian. <laughs> Hottest couple <laughs> on this bracket. Hottest couple. <laughs> Any I, no reaction to that? It was just it just dead I know, air. I know. No, Nicholas over there saying no, 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 not no. into it. No, I would choose Kristoff over. <laughs> <Robin>. <laughs> okay, okay. But we all know my heart truly lies with Prince Eric. So. <laughs> okay, okay, fair. You know, I'm just saying furries need love too. You know, <sighs> so tough. Um, I don't know. I don't, I really don't want to be hypocritical. Like I want to, I, I love, Fro I love frozen. And here he goes. 
Frozen is 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 just one of my favorite things ever conceived by the human race. Yep. Frozen. Frozen movies and the frozen characters and everything about it. Yep. Um, Anna and Kristoff have a great relationship. Here's the thing. They're not the most important love story in Frozen. Anna and Elsa is the most important love story in Frozen. Yeah. Time and time again. That's why the movie has the impact that it does. Yeah. Robin Hood and Maid Marian, they have that, they have that simplicity to them mm-hmm. that they aren't the realistic couple, but they are the aspirational couple. And when I go to pick up a Disney movie, I don't always want to uh, psychoanalyze the real world. Sure. Sometimes I want to get lost in the clouds a bit and I want to see myself not as Kristoff, the imperfect uh, man that I am in real life, but <laughs> as Robin Hood, that, that dashing, adventurous, uh, athletic, attractive man. <laughs> um, and, and on the other side of my love story is uh, someone like Maid Marian, who is just very sweet, uh-huh. um, seemingly perfect in every way, even though she's not. I'm going with the 16 to the finals. Yeah, I mean, I was, I was going to dunk and be like, all right, let's talk simplicity, everyone. Simplicity is Robin Hood and Maid Marian. If that's what we're, if that's the story we're going to play here, especially as we get closer to what is and is not Disney. I think that that's a, that's a good argument for now. I think in two years we can throw it out. I think we're going to have enough time of these more complex relationship stories to be like, this is also Disney. Like, Disney isn't just completely based out of nostalgia and nostalgic storytelling and simple A to B. It's now getting into these more complicated storylines. And Disney's always been a company of telling stories. And storytelling has evolved since 1967 or whenever Robin Hood came out, right? Like it's it's the way we tell these love stories isn't as novel anymore. Um you have to throw in more realistic tendencies because we've seen it already. We've seen the A to B because we've lived through 120 years of Disney animation. So I agree that there is something that is simple and comforting and uh, more uh, predictable about Disney itself, which makes Maid Marian and Robin Hood uh, feel like the better pick. And I, and I, but I also do think that we're going to have to let go of that nostalgia backpack at some point because none of these recent stories are leaning on that storytelling and they're all still very Disney feeling. I mean, you got to can't see it here, but there's an Encanto poster behind <laughs> us. Like that's another like very non-traditional storytelling device from Disney. And that's we're only going to see that from here on out. So uh, I think that in in this matchup, though, you're right that Anna and Kristoff's love story isn't necessarily the main focus. Neither is Robin Hood made Marion, but Robin Hood made Marion just seem like the better Disney fit than Anna and Kristoff. Eventually that's going to change. I think eventually run this bracket back in two years. Anna and Kristoff might take the whole thing. I would like to see them like I would like to see their relationship get tested a little bit more maybe in like a third Frozen movie or Mm. something like that. Mm. It is tested to an extent in Frozen 2 but in a way that feels sort of one-sided because Anna clearly 
doesn't really care. <laughs> like, it seems like she just kind of forgot about She's Crystal. a little distracted. She's a little bit dealing with a whole lot of other stuff. Which, reasonable. And yeah. something that happens in relationships. Sure. Uh, Nicola, do you agree with the frozen couple going down and ascending the foxes to the finals? I don't. That's <laughs> okay. Anna and Kristoff would have had my vote to move forward. We're talking about simplicity, which when most of these earlier on movies and the love stories came from is true, but that's like not how the time is anymore. And we've evolved into having multiple stories. So I agree there. Mm -hmm. I think Anna and Kristoff represent a great, like, when I first saw Frozen, I saw the story of love from the sisters and yes. then saw Anna and Kristoff's story. But like when you think about you as a person growing up, if you have siblings, the first love is your sibling and you realize that you need someone there with you and you find those attributes in someone else. And I think going a little crazy over here, but I think Elsa and Kristoff have very similar, like, characteristics that Anna, like, looks into, hmm. you know? Like, they're both searching for kind of, like, you think about Kristoff's, like, rock scene in Frozen 2 when he's, like, singing. Like, he has his own moment. And all we've seen is Elsa having her own moment trying to figure out who she is. So, like, I think both of them are trying, like, they're very similar in their characters. And that's why Anna's so drawn to them. Hmm. But I'm only one person. I would have chosen Anna and Kristoff moving forward because I agree that that is a more truer love. However, I feel like I'm going to go watch Robin Hood after this <laughs> multiple times yeah. to make sure I can be validated that they're moving to the final. <laughs> well, I mean, I I thought for a second you were shipping Elsa and Kristoff. I was like, wait a wait second. Wait a minute. What, what alternate it, reality? It sort of wrinkled my no. brain. <laughs> all right. Let's do I'm sure there's a frozen fanfic out there somewhere. They're all they're all like really there's like a triangle at that point. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, don't don't Google that. No, no. <laughs> don't advise. No. Don't advise. All right, let's move on to this final final four matchups: the number seven Nala and Simba versus number three Lady and Tramp. And I'm going with Nala and Simba. Nope, I'm just doing it. I didn't want to move Lady and Tramp on last time. I think that Nala and Simba have that simplicity in their in their love story, uh, where it's not necessarily you know jumping through hoops like maybe an Anna and Kristoff is, but it's so relatable and yet fantastical i mean it ends in a great battle for heaven's sake uh it just feels a lot like a a disney love story as but if you added some sprinkles to it so it feels a little bit like robin hood and maid marion what happened when robin hood and maid marion split up why did they split up what was their kid background how did they end up? That's the story that we see out of Nala and Simba. We see their progression. We see why they split up. We see how they came back together. We see them conquer the world together. Love it. Nala and Simba moving on. Lady and Champ appreciate the simple story about simple dogs eating spaghetti together in the moonlight. But Nala and Simba are just the quote unquote power couple and also a quote unquote power couple here in this Disney bracket. Um, 
Yeah, I definitely am a little bit. I've warmed up to Nala and Simba, I think, a lot since we started talking about these couples. I'm sticking with Lady and the Tramp, though. Of course. I mean, it's it's the uh, little, the little doggies. And, and, <laughs> and, I'm, and for once in my life, I'm going to try and be consistent here. Okay. Um, and send them to the finals. Um, it's the it's the whole movie. I mean, like, Half I would movie. argue that, that, like, Robin Hood is about him and Maid Marian, but, like, Lady and the Tramp is literally, that's the movie. And it's it's half, about half, Lady and the Tramp. Half the movie. Like, I mean, yeah, there's a lot of, like, solo <laughs> lady content, but uh, <laughs> it's the name, it's the literal name of the movie. It is the it's name. called Lady and the Tramp. It is the name. Uh, Nicola, who's going to the finals? I'm going to have to go with the 1995 <laughs> best original song, best original score the lion king and move simba and nala to the finals kyle said it has a beginning when they're kids like imagine like being the girl next door you know you have the crush on the boy who skateboards down the street maybe you move away and then come back to high school and then you know, like it's just like there's so much that can be interpreted from Nala and Simba's love story and can be so relatable in relationships. And then if we bring back to our previous episode when we're talking about Nala being supportive and we talked about power couples and supporting your significant other, like Nala does that. Yep. So hands down, Simba and Nala and I will go frolic under the waterfall. Love it. Love All it. All right. Is this 16 Robin Hood and Maid Marian versus 7 Nala and Simba for is the ship? A, is this a um, Mouse Madness Scorigami? Have we ever had a 16 7 <laughs> final? I mean, maybe. <laughs> I don't know. Um, I forgot. I forget most of our episodes. I forget every bracket, to be honest. Um, Which, you know, which ship will take the ship? Mm. Um, I uh, I'm gonna go with the uh, Robin Hood made Marion. I got wow. sixteen. I got sixteen. So you're taking the crown. I, you're such a Lion King hater. I'm going. No. Well, yeah, I am a Lion King hater, but also hater. you know I like the fairy tale element of it. You know I, I yeah. I like the realism, but I also you know like I said, I think when I when I hit the hit that Disney Plus app and I'm scrolling through those movies, I'm looking for a little escape. Um. I mean, it's got plenty of good stuff in there. We've talked about it so much. We don't need to to retread over the whole thing. But. And, and like I said, these kind of parallel each other. There's the same kind of waterfall scene. There's the reconnection. There's the established backstory. You just get a little bit more out of Nala and Simba. And I get the simplicity. I get the wanting to kind of escape into maybe this Robin Hood type land. But uh I'm going to go number seven, Nala and Simba. That's going to be my winner. And we're going to go ahead and end this with Nicola choosing and crowning the winner of the best Disney love story bracket. Well, I feel honored <laughs> to be able to break the tie for the final. But I think my bias has been said through the both episodes and we already know where we're going with this, but it's going to be Nala and Simba. Let's go. Yeah, I'm, you know, I'm not surprised. Not surprised. No. I mean, I was surprised by by how much I appreciated Robin Hood and Maid Marian as a couple. And I think they had sort of an easy trip to the final four. Yeah, I agree. For sure. 
Um, and I think the final four was kind of a toss up as it is. No, and some are fine, you know, but like you said, I'm a Lion King hater, so yeah, I'll call it what it is. I'm honestly surprised that Rapunzel and Flynn didn't make it to the very end, but had Kyle crafted this bracket, I think this is where it would have ended up. I love these two couples. I love the stories and where they come from. I love the established history and the coming back together after they've experienced life by themselves and have found that together they're even better than they were alone. So I appreciate that. I like it. I think it is a great Disney story. And so did Nicola. Nicola, thank you so much for joining us on this bracketed adventure through Disney love stories. We hope that you had fun. We hope that you would want to come back and we just appreciate your time. Thanks for having me. All right, everyone, you know how to reach us. You got something to say about our love stories, about all of our Disney couples. Do you have a bracket idea of your own? Would you like to hop in and do some co-hosting? We're always looking for a new talent. Please email us at mousemadnesspodcast at gmail.com or hit us up on social media. We're on Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, and Discord. All of those are linked in the description of this podcast. We'd love to connect with you. If you'd like to support us on Patreon, please head to patreon.com slash mousemadness and go ahead and join Jerry's gang. $5 level. It's a, it's a fun time. <clears throat> Folks, that does it for another episode. And we lived happily ever after. 